to the Mind Heart Muscle Podcast, where we explore the body and mind connection, train our hearts and souls, and understand what it is to be human. We connect with authors, coaches, and entrepreneurs from all over the world to both challenge and develop the way we think and approach our life. If you want to become the best version of yourself, have better relationships, and optimize your health, you'll learn that and much more here. We know you'll enjoy the show, so here we go. Always a good time as long as they don't fall off. Kate, tell us the story about that time you fell off. Oh my God, which time? <laughs> the one that's um, well, I've had burned to- into your memory. Which one is that? Um, well, there's two that I've had that were pretty, I don't want to say catastrophic, but they definitely put me out a couple months. Um, there was actually one that I had taken a tumble, I attempted, you know, unpurposefully to uh, kind of stunt ride because I got thrown off of her left side initially and I spider monkeyed to her side. I was like, I could totally save this. I'm not <laughs> gonna fall. I'm not gonna drop to the ground. And I managed to get myself back up on top, but she was continuing to canter, which is like a horse running. So she's continuing to run. I'm spider monkey to the side. I get up and I'm off balance and boom, went off the right side towards the metal rail. So thankfully I didn't smack my face on it. I kind of did one of these and avoided it. Oh man. Um, But I ended up in the process, I tore part of my soleus and my peroneal muscle on my left leg. I think in my initial attempts at spider monkeying that my leg was went underneath of me. And then I ended up re-tearing something in my first surgical shoulder but that's okay now. Like whatever broke, I'm, it's not impacting me. So I don't want to know, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely had dead arm for a couple of days. It was a really scary experience. Cause I, at that time it was before this shoulder surgery and it was before I needed this one. Um, and all I could think about was, Oh my God, I do not want to go through this shoulder surgery again. Cause this rehab was awful. It was excruciating, like brought tears to my eyes and I can usually take pain pretty well with physical stuff. Give me a fever and I'm like a total, I wilt like a flower, but (laughs) give me any type of musculoskeletal issue. Like I can take it. Um, but yeah, dead arm for a few days. I got really nervous and scared. I was like, Oh no, here we go again. But then that ended up being fine, but I had to take a few months off because of the soleus. I couldn't put pressure through that leg for quite a while. I had a big gnarly bruise down the side of my leg. I was like, oh shit, I tore something. I'm not going to the doctor (laughs) because I don't want them to tell me I can't do something or I don't want them to tell me I need surgery for something like, hell no, I'll do what I can hope for the best. And it was, it ended up fine. Like I don't really have any residual symptoms from it that I could tell. But the most recent fall though was over the winter, just this January, that was, I was riding side saddle. I was learning to ride. This is my first time ever riding side saddle. I work, this is one of the populations that I work with. Those the local side saddle group. And um, 
with the equestrians, not the horses. And so <laughs> I got up there taking advantage of the generosity of one of the ladies that I've gotten to know over the years that she was like, oh, I'll give you a, a complimentary lesson. Like, let's get you up on the side saddle. I'd only ever sat on a side saddle unmounted. Can you tell and us what so, side saddle is, by the way? So so side saddle. <laughs> Describe side it. Side saddle yeah. riding. You use a, a totally different type of saddle. Like okay. there's there's what's called the leaping horn on the top. There's another kind of hook that you have both your legs off to the left side of the horse, but your body's still facing forward. So it's mm -hmm. not like you see in the movies where like both legs are completely over to the side and you're twisted. It's really you adapt your body to the, to the saddle. It's a really interesting and really cool craft. Mm. Um, totally different riding experience, totally different controls with the horse and cueing. And you use a lot of just weight shifting, pelvic pressure, kind of pressure on the legs. Really cool experience, beautiful to watch the costumery. And you know, you'll see it in like Renaissance fairs. You'll see it um, all, all kinds of really cool shows with beautiful gowns and and habits mm. is what it's called. Like you'll see a traditional hunting habit. Anyway, it's a whole different world of riding. Um, and it comes with the, uh, you know, specialty riders and whatnot. So they love what they, what they do. And I think it's fascinating. So I got to try it. And unfortunately I should have gone with my gut that day. It was really cold. It was like 28 degrees. Horses don't like when it's really cold. He hadn't been lunged yet, meaning he hadn't gone out for a warm up yet. He was still kind of antsy from being in the barn. It was windy, ground was frozen. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just said, no, let's do this another day. But the ego got in the way. And I was like, I could do this, no problem. I've watched this a thousand times, like I'll be fine. And sure enough, it, you know, it's, I, I'm not familiar with this particular horse and he's not familiar with me and we kind of he spooked a couple of times during just walking and i was like hmm maybe this isn't the right day but i kept going anyway so made that fatal mistake of let's try this one more time oh no 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 yeah that that was it um he i was trotting with him and he took off into a canter like he was running and I, mind you i'd never ridden side saddle like actually ridden it to this point so cantering side saddle for the first time unintentionally this horse is going full speed towards about a four foot fence and i was like holy shit, we're going over i'm gonna die right now and instead pulled the reins hard he turned to the left now mind you my legs are off to the left side so what happened physics took over and I flew off the right side, landed on my back and my pelvis for the most part. So I didn't hit my head, which was good, but my pelvis took the brunt of it, ended up with a sacral fracture. I was like really hurting <laughs> for quite a while. I couldn't step up or squat at all for probably about two months. That's and, a that's the unwritten rule. That's the number one unwritten rule of BMX is you never say one more time. One more time. No, no. you something, something, something is always on the, uh, on the other side of that is just disaster. Awful. That's awful. The disaster. <laughs> um, I want to back up a little bit here. Uh, a thought popped into my head. You know, you said you wanted to wait it out 
You didn't want to be told that you had surgery. Uh, in your professional opinion, how long is too long when it comes to something hurting? And, and cause I mean, especially if you're an athlete, like it, you, the ego takes over and you're like, oh, I can work through this. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. At what point though, do we just stop and say enough is enough? And uh, I need to go get this looked at by a professional and have imaging done and, you know, set myself up for the possibility of surgery. So I think that's a really great point. Um, because I obviously run into folks in my profession who have waited too long um, or could have been better off if they'd seen me three months ago instead. And now we have this longer process to work through. So for me personally, and even going through what I did for my second shoulder injury, um, I usually give it about, I mean, I waited probably three months and It really depends on the trends that I'm seeing for myself. I mean, I know how I feel because of my profession. I kind of know what to look for as far as, okay, am I progressing or not? Even if there's small changes in the right direction, I may hold off. If what I'm doing is effective and I'm seeing signs of that effectiveness, even if it's not a hundred percent yet, you know, I'm looking for trends. If things are staying the same, and it's keeping me up at night. You know, I'm not sleeping well because of the pain that I'm having. And it's not getting any better after, say, even in, you know, if it's to that degree of pain, it's not getting any better within two weeks. Like, go get it checked out. Maybe it's something you can address early on and improve quicker. Or it's, hey, you know, we need to take a, a closer look at what's going on to see what our options are. What, are, what can our expectations be? You know? So, I mean, if, if I suddenly, I can't lift my arm at all and it's not going, you know, it's still really inflamed. It's still not functional after a couple of days and I had a fall, then yeah, you want to go see somebody sooner rather than later to take a look at what's going on. Obviously you want to rule out scary things like fractures, depends on the cause of the injury too. I mean, with your injury, you've fallen off your bike, you know, it's, It's like, okay, blunt trauma, get it looked at, like get the really scary stuff ruled out because you don't want to wait on that. If it's one of those things where, oh, it's been kind of creeping up over the last couple of months and now it's starting to get worse. If you change your game plan and it's not getting better in a matter of a month, say, then, or it's starting to get significantly worse in a short period of time, despite trying to address it. You're like, oh crap, like instead of just bothering me once or twice a day, now it's keeping me up all night. Go get it checked out. Like go, you gotta change the game plan somewhere, right? And now we're safe to, we're safe to say that if pain is something that is coming and going, uh, the, the opportunity for it to go away is there and then and then um that's when the concept of being able to go through something like physical physical therapy or corrective exercise um or just plain simple rest is is when uh when we need to really take that into consideration um 
how how often how often do you just tell people to stop? Um, I would say actually I had to I had to tell this to somebody very recently actually. Um, when somebody's coming to me and I'm looking at their training history, like oh man, I, I go into the gym, it's my stress relief. I go in every day religiously. I'm like, cool, like what are you doing? Oh, well, you know, I, I did dumbbell snatches instead, something really cranky shoulder. It's really, really painful. And at the same time, she's telling me I can't sleep at night. Like it wakes me up all night long. I know that things are really pissed off in that joint right now. Just that, that constant kind of pain. I will tell somebody, you know what? I recognize the fact that their load versus capacity is way off right now. Their work recovery is way off. So if I recognize that in their current kind of training patterns, I'm going to tell them, you know what, I need you to take one week. Don't go to the gym. I need you to kind of just reset mentally. I need you to let that tissue to cut, just kind of chill. But that's so then, hard. It is. <laughs> but it but is, that's, right? that's so hard to do. I know. That's a, that's like that's a, a sale in its own. Yeah, it is. Especially when you have somebody who is, reliant who relies heavily on going to the gym as their quote unquote stress relief you know and it, it had it becomes about having that conversation like look i recognize that and i appreciate the fact that you have a lot of stuff going on in life right now we need to strategize some other ways for you to have an outlet that are not physically stressful to the body because right now your, your load is way more than your capacity and your body's starting to tell you that. So we need to strategize. Let's come up with other things that we can do that are also a stress relief for you without crushing your soul, you know? So it, it becomes a sale. Absolutely. Matt, um, like you mentioned, especially with my really high competitive athletes, you know, my, my, my athletes who are trying to get to the games next year, or, you know, they're used to, training six to seven hours a day, you know, that's, that's what they do. They get up and they train all day long. How do you, and, how do you build trust with, you know, and, and even for yourself, how do you decide when it's like, when you can take a week off when you know, when you need to, and then, you know, building trust with a client or um, a friend even and saying like, Hey, I think it's, I think it's time you take a step back and we look at that things like that and it, you know people say that they're going to the gym every day is their stress relief is it really that or is it a coping mechanism for the other stress Ooh. and is it is it adding stress absolutely can you get I someone think, to determine um, that it's it's so tricky this is this is the whole like mindset of an athlete right um or you know this it is absolutely a lot of people's coping mechanism to go in and just leave a sweat angel on the floor every single time they go into the gym they don't feel, recognize it feels the so value. good it does right it hurts so good you <laughs> know it, it's one of those concepts and i can totally relate to that you know there's been times where i just go in and you know i'm pissed off about something maybe i had a fight with somebody or just really frustrated with some sort of situation in life and i go in and i just i go 110% in the gym. And then I'm like, Oh, shit, I can't walk like for like the next three days. Like I maybe that wasn't the greatest move. Um, but I mean, it happens all the time. So it's about getting into the mindset. I mean, it is something you have to develop your rapport and your trust with your client. 
so that you can have these conversations and be like, look, you know, what you've done to this point up to needing my help, it didn't work. So give me, do me a favor, like give me the next six weeks. Let's do it my way. If we don't get the results that we're looking for, you can go back to doing it your way. You know, so it's about like giving them a time frame and understanding, okay, you know what? We need to change something because what you've done to this point didn't work, right? So I'm kind of confirming that fact. <laughs> so, and it's about reframing, no right? I mean, reframing the mindset too in, you know, not looking at it as time missed from the gym, but looking at it as an opportunity to create something different in your life. Like let's use this time. This now becomes a challenge from a mental standpoint. Hey, I want you to do some journaling this week. Here's some, you know, just trying to get them to unload all of that stress in a different way. Well, there's a good metaphor for life. It's an opportunity to try something different, <laughs> to take a different path. It can apply to anything right how much how much like just stuff have you have we all been through over in life where where you're beaten down and feel like you've exhausted all of your options even though there's other options and you can try different approaches and and when I mean, that stuff happens yeah you just take a break you do. You have to. You look you know, at for look. for the sake of life, right? I, I want to. You know, I don't want to work out just for the next two months. I want to work out for the rest of my life. One week over the course of the next forty years, it's really not that much. It's a it's a drop in the bucket, right? So, kind of reframing the frame of mind or reframing that kind of perspective too. Like one week in the scope of forty years, it's really not that big a deal. What's the thing though that's makes that so scary? They identify strongly, I think, with their presence in the gym. It's part of their identity. As a person, in the gym, yeah, himself up and yeah, works out hard and you know comes in the the deadlift guy, the heavy deadlift guy, right? Mm -hmm. They if they're not in the gym, then they're like, who are they? Like now, I have to face. Some of these other feelings that maybe I'm just kind of throwing heavy deadlifts instead of actually recognizing and facing and they're working not, through. So they're not someone that does exercise. They are an exerciser. Yes. Uh, they need to be. It's a, a scary thought yeah. to put you. Yeah, it's a scary thought to put yourself. It's it's because it's because so many of us want to run away from being a human being because being a human being is scary as fuck. Um, it's, they just look for something else to identify themselves as. And, you know, I, I, I follow, uh, there's a, a pretty big running community where, where I live and some of them have trickled in and out of tried and true over the years. And so I've, I've gotten to know a handful of them and I see it. I see it so much there. Um, just, day in and day out. Oh, I did 20 miles today. I did 15 miles yesterday. I did 25 miles. And I'm just like, yo, there there are other physical activities. And that's what I wanted to get to for the people, for the people that got to beat themselves up in the gym every day. Like 
you can replace physical activity with physical activity. You know, our bodies are designed to move, not just in one direction. All right. And um, I recently listened to an episode of best hour of their day. And this guy was talking about how um, he was a competitive weightlifter. And when he needed to, when he needed to take a break from competitive weightlifting, he would just spend two months doing CrossFit really hard. And that would just like reset him. And recently, recently he was like, man, I just need to get away from the barbell. So he went to jujitsu. And I was like, that makes so much sense because, you know, weightlifting, you're only really moving in one direction mm. in CrossFit. You get a little bit more direction. You get a couple different directions, you know, but man, when you get into jujitsu, that's when things start to get rotational. And, you know, we start to think about not just up and down and side to side, but being, being upside down, being twisted around and, and, th- and that's, that's the thing that people can think about. Okay. We want you to take a week away from beating yourself up in the gym. That doesn't mean you need to just not move. This is, and this is everything that I learned in reading spark, you know, our, our, and, and that's why it's stress relieving is because when we exert ourselves, our brain releases neurotransmitters that make us feel better and okay, put down the barbell, stop doing burpees as fast as you can. Hmm. go out into the woods and find a mountain and go for a walk for an hour. You're going to feel similar. You're going to get that quote unquote stress relief. You're going to get that feeling. You're going to get that, those brain chemicals that just make you feel awesome afterwards. There's like we, uh, like Kate said before, it's an identity and when you take someone out of their identity, there's a crisis. And these are likely people who up until they started um, CrossFit or weightlifting or their sport, whatever it might be, they were searching for something to get that feeling, right? Searching for that uh, that boost of serotonin in their brains and dopamine. And, and when they found the thing, they want to hold onto it. They want it. They want to keep it. It's like, uh, and you hear it all the time when people get hurt too. They use that as a, they, they hold on to that, at that quote unquote injury as a, as like, as if they own it, as if it's theirs, my bad back, my knee pain, my bad shoulder, you hear that so much. And when you start to use that, you rely on it in a way. So what happens when we take that away from you? What happens when we get you out of the gym, get you into an uncomfortable position yeah. where you're no longer getting the, the high that you were looking for? You don't have ownership over what it is you're doing. And maybe they got good at it. Maybe they got good at CrossFit or weightlifting and they feel like they're making progress. Maybe they lost a ton of weight and that was the only thing that allowed them to do so. And now if you take it away from them, they feel like they're going to gain the weight back or they're going to go back into depression or they're going to feel like um, hopeless in a way. That kind of, it's, it's so funny, Matt, because <clears throat> when you describe it in that way, it's, I see the same thing in folks who have chronic disease, like autoimmune diseases, 
especially. Um, and people start to identify as their disease. I'm a diabetic. <laughs> when right? not really, I'm a diabetic. I, I have, um, you know, I have lupus. I have, I have multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. I have this, that I have Crohn's, I have this, you know, whatever process it is. And they start to truly identify and they almost use it as a crutch to make excuses. And I, and I don't say like, there are very, very real systemic effects physically with all of those disease processes. And absolutely, you know, I know the suffering that they do have, but I also know the benefits of what they you know, being able to try and get them out of that comfort zone and step away from that identity mm. as their, their disease process. Well, you know, you see it in, in that, you see it in, in folks who, who have addictions too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the other part that I wanted to kind of bring to light when Ron was talking about, you know, you can replace one physical activity with another, which absolutely is true. But what we have to be careful with is that we're not replacing one addiction for another. I mean, you see that and you, I, you know, I, I have somebody very near and dear to me who suffered through, you know, a heroin addiction at one point and is now clean, thank God. Uh, but one of the big things that was in his rehab was the guys and the girls were not allowed to mingle. You weren't allowed over in the girls room because they didn't want a different addiction happening as a replacement for the one that they were there to address. So it was about getting to the underlying, why are you turning to something external instead of addressing the internal component of it? So just wanted to bring that mm. point up. You want to be careful. It's a slippery slope. If you tell them, oh, well, you don't have to go into the gym to do barbell work today, but you could work just as high intensity by doing X activity instead. So you want to be careful that you don't get into that replacing one high level mm. physical stress with another high level physical stress. It's about addressing the underlying, Hey, my body needs to recover. It needs to take a step back from using this as my crutch. You could, you could slowly add in other things mm -hmm. and, and then you get the understanding that, okay, I can do this purely for enjoyment or for, for learning. Like I, I trained jujitsu because I wanted to add something that I was bad at so I could now learn again and, and discover something new. And now I do that and I do CrossFit and I ride my bike and I run and, and I have these, these things and I have no problems, you know, not training at the gym for three weeks because I'm doing other things that make me feel good and, I can also it take those joy. It brings yeah. you joy, right? And I can also very easily take a whole week off and lay in bed. You mean to you mean <laughs> well, to tell not me easily enough? <laughs> you mean to tell me that people exercise because they enjoy it, <laughs> not because they have to? There's definitely stages to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's stages, right? At, just, pff, mind blown. <laughs> It's like you go through when you go through like um, a grieving process in a way too. It's when you mm -hmm. when you first grieve about something, you're you're in total denial and you you're like infatuated. You become infatuated with this one thing, and then and then you slowly start to um, separate. You create space between you and the thing, and that happens. Like everyone that I've seen start CrossFit and enjoy it 
you know, it's the first six to 18 months of obsession. Yeah, you, you too, Ryan, but yours lasted seven years. <laughs> and, um, and then, okay, you find something else and, and you start losing interest and that's okay. Like, it's okay to change paths. Like, like if the goal ultimately is health or is um, fitness, assuming that people think those are two different things, then regardless of what you're doing, as long as you're pursuing health or pursuing your, your goal, that, that's the whole purpose-driven mindset that we, we talk about so much. Maybe the people who get so wrapped up in their, their story around their identity, they, they are lacking that purpose or their, um, it's, a, it's what's guiding you because you can always just shift, shift over to the other side. Whether you're rehabbing an injury or you know, you're just bored. I found a lot of people who grieve um, are grieving their old self. Mm. What what was remember what I was like four years ago before I hurt my back before I hurt my knee like I want to get back to that like I miss that version of myself and it's the grieving process like that self doesn't exist anymore mm. but also coaching them into that's okay like you're a different self now. We need to develop the best version of yourself now. Like to get somebody through that grieving process of their old self is, is really a big challenge sometimes, especially for, uh, you know, I'll have athletes who were extremely competitive and then they have three kids and they're like, why can't I be that person anymore? I'm like, cause you, you made the decision. Like you love your children. But accept the fact, give yourself some grace that you're raising three tiny humans right now. <laughs> Your body is not the same now as it was six years ago before you grew three tiny humans. Just and that's added, okay. Added a Your lot of priorities in life. Yeah, priorities in life are allowed to change. Do we like, think that this could be because for the first time in somebody's life, they were actually proud of themselves about something? And then they experience that injury. They experience having children. They experience getting a promotion, which slowed down their ability to do physical activity. And now, and that's what sets them up to feel stuck. Sounds like it's possible. And, and we talk, you know, with, with the work that we've been doing, Ron, the listen to people's language. They're going to talk. Uh, I, I had a call with a woman last night about, and she was, she's frustrated with her results in the gym. She's not losing the weight she wanted to lose. She's also had um, three kids in the last 18 years and uh, recently had thyroid surgery and, and all these other things. And as I'm reading through her goals and listening to her speak, it's a lot of things that she can't do. And just talking about what she can't do, what she wants to do and what she used to do. And and we just, you, you change that to what you can. Like your example, Kate, with, a, with an athlete who now has three children. Okay, you, yeah, you can't do those things. Okay, what, what can you do with three children so that you can still feel good? Mm -hmm. um, and what can you do in the gym now 
what can you do with your situation? What can you do with your current uh, state of mind too? And, I mean, and once- how do we, how can we continue to move the needle in the right direction? Even though the speed might not be what our ideal is, right? We never heal from injuries quick enough, right, Ron? No, not, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, so Kate, you've had, you've had quite the experience of injuries, especially like in the, so I've known you now since, uh, late 2019. And in the time that I've known you, you've had, you know, you had your soldier shoulder surgery, you almost sliced your finger off. And in January you fell and hurt your back. Um, and from my perspective, you have done a fantastic job of avoiding falling into the identity of those things that have happened that you have experienced. Um, what has been your, you know, and I'm sure that you've experienced some frustrations and some, you know, like I want to be able to do things, you know, cause it's, it's, it's normal. It's a, it's normal to feel that way. How have you kept yourself ahead of it? Cause I mean, I, you and I talk regularly and, and you've expressed some frustrations, but you've never really shown me any signs of letting it hold you back, identifying as it. So what, what has been the thing that's kept you ahead of that? Honestly, I think that, I mean, I've been an athlete, competitive athlete, type A personality to a T like my whole life, right? And I've had to learn some hard lessons over the course of my injury experience and knowing that I do need other things for me to have an outlet to. When I'm down and out physically, I still need to protect my mental state because I will fully admit in my younger years, for many years, I struggled with depression really badly. You know, I was really down and out at points in my life. I went through some really extremely stressful times um, from the time I was a teenager through my college years. And so I am already on an alert that, hey, I don't want to go down that path again. I need to give myself different avenues to explore while my physical self is healing because I know I want this to go away and I need to devote myself to some other area. So I've learned, I've become a crazy plant lady. I love being outdoors. Like I grow roses. I have hydrangea. I have a whole bunch of flowers that I go out and I talk to all spring, summer, and fall long. <laughs> so I'm sure my husband and my neighbors think I'm crazy, but I love watching things grow. I love watching something beautiful come to fruition, kind of from my own nurturing and I don't want to say obsession, but you know, but something that I take care of and that I cultivate and I've created. So I've learned, especially over the course of COVID too, where I'm trapped indoors, I'm down and out from surgery. Like, guess what? I got into art, <laughs> you know, I started painting. I started taking virtual classes to keep my brain active and focused on developing something new. Like Matt mentioned earlier, like, I just want to keep learning a new skill. And that's honestly one of the best things you can do. Like learn something new, learn something else to focus on. Otherwise you get trapped inside your head and you start to go down some bad pathways that you want to avoid going down in the first place. So let myself have multiple pathways to choose from that don't lead down 
the negative path. You have to be very conscious. It's, you know, certainly something I've worked on for many, many years based on my history and learned to kind of minimize those negative thought pathways. Our brains are malleable, right? The more we give energy to the negative components, the more of our brain is going to be devoted to those negative components. And then you end up in a hole you can't dig yourself out of. And then you're in a really scary place. So number one, you know, recognizing your internal talk, right? That you guys were just mentioning about, you know, listening to people's language and listening to their, their mental speak. What are they telling themselves? And turning it around and being like, hey, would you say that to somebody else? No, why are you telling it to yourself? Like that's, that's not healthy. <laughs> like don't tell yourself something that you wouldn't tell to somebody else. Like it's just kind of some self-reflection. So, but yeah, I've avoided it because of my own experience and knowing how important it is to avoid that negative self-talk and letting myself explore new things that don't involve being aware as aware of my physical disabilities at, at that moment, you know, for a temporary time, knowing in my head, this isn't going to be forever, but this is what it is right now. So how do I make the best of it? So whether that makes me an eternal optimist or mm. just, you know, a self-aware person, you know, call it what you will, but that is basically how I've coped. So it's resilience and yeah, that's, it it's, it's the self-awareness. When you ask someone who has those negative pathways in their life and they're so present and um, affecting them down to pain and you know often stressful feelings, anxiety, depression, they, it, if you ask them what makes them feel good, they'll have a hard time answering those questions because it's not in front of them. And so what can you do? Search for things that make you feel good learn, learn new skills. And when this is a conversation I had yesterday, where does, you know, we talked about feeling more confident. Uh, I talked about that with a client and, and just asked her, Hey, what, when is the last time you felt confident? And what were you doing? And she said, Oh, I, when I, um, you know, I graduated with my master's degree, I felt, felt on top of the world. And then after a few months, it sort of died off because you lose sense of who you are, your identity. You're, you're no longer chasing in something too. You're, there's, you're not tinkering anymore, working towards something. And when you're, when you're actively engaged in a process of learning and experimentation and actual action, like doing things, yeah, you're going you're gonna to fall into those traps of like the what ifs on the negative end. What if I you know, what if I fail? What if this stays? What if it's like this forever? What if I feel like this all the time? So how do you how do you feel while you're doing the things that make you confident? What are the what are the triggers there? And there's triggers on the negative side, too. And if you're dealing with things like, um, like depression, I remember when I was younger, struggling with that, there was um, there were things that I just habitually did that led me down that path. So you replace them with triggers that lead you to the happy side. Okay, how do you get yourself into the mood? 
right? What's the foreplay for uh, for feeling <laughs> for boosting serotonin? What's the foreplay for feeling good, right? When you walk into a room and you you just get a sense of like gratitude and um, blissfulness, like those things are great. When you walk into the gym and the energy is high and there's a good workout and the music's bumping, like that's a good trigger, right? You can create those sensations and those um, those experiences on your own. And if you can teach people to do that on their own, okay, now you're making progress and now they can they can self-start in a way, give them those tools. This brings up a completely different t- conversation about why human interaction is important. Well, um, <laughs> uh, let's say, let's stay on part to- of the process. Yeah. Let's stay on topic though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Kate, we've been working together for over a year now and, um, and I guess what, what my original question about, you know, waiting to see how long it is important because how long it is to, to wait before you send somebody to the doctor to go get checked out. Like what kind of, what kind of identifiers in progress working with me stood out that you just, you avoided telling me to go because the, the pain in my left knee lasted a very, very long time. And I actually, I actually think it was kind of awesome that I broke my foot and wasn't able to do some of the things that I was doing because the pain that I was experiencing in my left knee has become even less since breaking my foot. So I, that put me in a forced position to rest my knee. So what, what were you looking for or what did you see that, you know, you said Ron's still on the right path, Ron's still working doing the things that he should be doing and like he's making progress and he does not need to go to the doctor. He does not need to go to the MRI yet. So number one, I know your goals. You really don't want to have surgery. Fuck. No, I don't. Right. So (laughs) that was, that was number one. I know that an MRI based on my clinical experience increases the chance that that person is going to have surgery by some crazy numbers, like 90%. It's ridiculous. So knowing that you really, really, really don't want to have surgery was certainly my number one factor. Number two, I was looking at how are you doing on that kind of that kneeling heel to butt kind of desensitization and looking at trends like, yes, it would be bad one week, but then look at the trend the next three weeks after that. It got better and better and better. You got more range of motion. It was still uncomfortable but you're making progress in the range. I expect that. So that is a trend that, okay, it's not going to like eight out of 10. We're still in that like five zone. So it's a t- it's an acceptable amount of discomfort given the type of activity I'm giving you. It's been longstanding as well. This isn't something that just happened. You've been dealing with this knee thing for years. Yep. So I would not expect that it's going to just disappear in a month. Like this is a process. This is a chronic injury kind of situation as opposed to, Hey, I just tripped off the curb. I took a bad hit on the ground and now my knee is like really whacked. Um, then I'd be like, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's go get it checked out. Make sure you didn't break anything. 
Um, but I'd also look for things, um, feelings of instability, somebody who's actually losing control of a joint, you know, if we're talking about the knee specifically. So I'm not, I wasn't getting signs from you or telling me about any signs, at least about buckling, locking. That's a big one. Like I went to straighten it. I couldn't bend it again. It actually locks. That's a big sign that, Hey, there's some tissue kind of, there's a tissue issue where it's actually <laughs> getting locked up in the joint itself. So knowing that it's a long-standing history that you were improving in your range of motion of that kneeling heel to butt with the work that we've been doing and having less symptoms or less intense symptoms or less frequent symptoms. Those are all trends that I'm looking for. Um, knowing whether, okay, man, my knee's really sore today. All right, let's take a look at the last 72 hours. Oh, you know what? I did jujitsu for like two hours the other day. I was sparring this guy, it was awesome. Okay, there's a specific event that I can tie it to, right? So that flare up, which happens, it's inevitable because especially as people start to feel really good, they're like, cool, let's test it out. Like I've got this new knee. Let me see how much I can beat it up before I end up <laughs> back in being sorry. Um, it's just, it's human nature, right? We're going to flare it up as we put new stresses through a tissue. So it's important then to recognize in that process, okay, this is an acute situation. We have some reactive kind of tendon situations going on or reactive tissue situations. I want to let it rest for the next couple of days, maybe even a week, maybe even two weeks. If it's not better when you can tie it to a specific incident, jujitsu for two hours for the first time in four months, you know, um, then I would be more concerned. But sure enough, every time you've had like a little flare, we address it. We don't panic about it, right? Even though you might be, but I'm like, Ron, it's going to be okay. That's my job as a coach to reassure you. Hey, let's let it chill for the next week. Let's reassess next week. If you came to me after two weeks of resting that tissue and you're like, man, it is still killing me. Like I'm starting to get buckling now. It's symptoms are progressing in the worst direction despite giving it some rest. That's a sign to me to be like, go get a checkout. Let's, let's, let's get this taken care of um, sooner rather than later. If we've kind of changed up our game plan and our game plan isn't working. So that's, that's where, you know, I, I kind of go. So instability and locking are big, big knee symptoms that I kind of am on the lookout for in deciding whether or not I'm going to be like, Ron, you need to go see the ortho or, Hey, let's keep doing what we're doing. So and symptom level too. If it's like eight out of eight or nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10, like, I really, I feel like I need to go to the hospital. I'm not going to fight that. Like, you know how you feel. Like go to the ER if you need to, I'm not going to stop you. And it comes back to the, is it keeping you up at night? Yeah. That's, you know? that's a big one. Like if you cannot, live right now without this severe pain, if it's impacting your life that much, then let's go get it checked out sooner rather than later. I'm not going to make you wait and suffer to that degree as you know, when you should be getting checked out sooner. Fair enough. So like if somebody's like, I can't do anything in my life right now because this hurts so bad, go get it checked out. You know, I'm not huge on telling clients to go, go get that cortisone injection. You know, I feel like sometimes they do more harm than good, but 
are there times where it's appropriate to help them live again, <laughs> to help calm it down? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're human. <laughs> Get the pain gone so we can start rebuilding you. Something, Nothing wrong with that. So something you said, Kate, um, struck me, reminded me of a, you know, a working with a client once and it's there's a reminder of okay this it took you years you've been dealing with this for years it's been an ongoing issue that means that it's going to take time there that to to time to heal time to get to where you feel good about it feel confident again um and something that that struck me was that it's a it's a patience and a trial and error thing just as much as it is science and experience and knowledge of how things work and it's all subjective like if somebody really wants to get an mri or go to a doctor like okay go do it will that make you feel better if it does great mm -hmm. can we get back to work or you know is this a flare-up is it going to go away how are we going to measure um this so quote unquote severity of the symptoms and at what point do we do we decide okay this is this is not working as desired we're not getting the desired effect so let's change the uh let's change the plan how often do you do you do something like that like realize what you're doing may be off may be wrong for them and then you advise on something else or send them to someone else is that common? Um, it, I mean, it, it does happen. Absolutely. Where I'm like, you know what? I feel like something else is going on here. I think, um, you know, I evaluated one girl who was showing signs, like she had some abdominal type of pain discomfort and it, it was kind of like tied into her one hip and nothing that I seemed to test seemed to really elicit the, the symptoms that she was having. And I'm like, you know, I was like, look, we're gonna try this for one week. Let's see if it changes your symptoms at, at all. I was like, but if it's not, I want you to go see the doc. Cause I don't, I have a feeling that this isn't something musculoskeletal. So it doesn't follow the progression that I would anticipate. It doesn't follow the picture, the clinical picture. I mean, I, I, I talk in clinical terms because of my profession, but, you know, it, it doesn't fit, the, the pieces of the puzzle don't fit together exactly. There's a couple that are a little bit off. So I want to appreciate that. And it could be something, hey, you know what, if it's a red flag kind of situation where night pain, unrelenting night pain, you know, uh, unexplained weight loss, you know, some of those big red flags where it's like, no, you need to go see your doctor immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, those those situations where there's potentially other medical issues going on, things that, um, don't follow musculoskeletal pattern to a degree. Now this girl, I was like, well, I know she does have some history of musculoskeletal stuff. Let's see if it's kind of this flaring up. You know, I wasn't fearing appendicitis because I did a little test there. So I, I knew it wasn't appendicitis, but um, ended up being more digestive, digestive health issues. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I had a feeling that, that was the case, but you know, she was like, I really don't want to have to go to the doctor if I don't have to. I was like, all right, cool. Like, We'll try this for one week. If you see no change in your symptoms, schedule an appointment with your doctor. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so I something knowing that it may be not necessarily the wrong thing. It's just not appropriate, but it might not be well, effective. Right. Not a, in, it may be ineffective, still beneficial. It was one of those situations though, where I didn't feel fear that it was something emergent. You know, if, if I, if I thought, you know, this might be a blood clot or this might be, you know, an appendicitis, or this might be something where you need to leave my house here now and go to the emergency room, then absolutely. I wouldn't mess around with trying to play with something, but I felt like this is something underlying, mm -hmm. it's underlying that is possibly not musculoskeletal, but there's a chance that it still was, but I'm like, okay, it's been going on for a few months. I don't think one week is going to impact whether or not this person gets the, the effective treatment, but I don't want to wait. I don't want to waste further time beyond one week if I don't think that it is mm. something musculoskeletal. Does that make sense? So is the yeah. degree of emergency <laughs> certainly I wonder, um, helps okay. guide that decision. How often do, do people that, I mean, people that we work with, um, with corrective exercise, at least like the people I see every day are in, in the gym, right? They, they work out. So when they feel pain, the, the, the assumption is, okay, I heard it working out or it must be some musculoskeletal injury. Mm -hmm. In your clinical practice, do you see people, um, do you see people coming in with um, assumed injuries like musculoskeletal injuries when it's actually something more on on the medical end or biological end? And um, you know, is it is it even common for for people to feel like back pain and for it to be something other than a slip disc or you know a stiff muscle? It does happen. Um, typically it, it doesn't happen as often as what an actual musculoskeletal injury would be. So I, I, it's very rare that I see somebody who doesn't fit the picture. Cause a lot of times, like you said, somebody, somebody did something funky in the gym. They feel, you know, they can kind of tie it to a specific incident. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, every time I go up the stairs, my knee is bugging me. I really got to go see Matt or I've got to go see Ron or you know whoever to go get this checked out or, or start working on this um as far as you know doing corrective programming and like how often do i need to kind of reevaluate my plan if somebody's not making changes that i want to see based on our current plan after say the third week so say you repeat their programming for like two weeks in a row mm. and they get to that third week and they're like man this is getting worse or this isn't budging and I should have expected to see some sort of change there, then I might switch up my game plan for that third week. But if it's something more, it depends on the tissue you're trying to affect too, right? Mm -hmm. So we know it's something joint related or ligamentous or scar tissue kind of issue that's not going to change in a matter of weeks. We're looking at changes over the course of months, right? So versus something that's more muscular or musculotendinous, we'd expect changes to happen in a month's time or strength gains takes four to six weeks to build true physiological strength. If I'm trying to make something stronger and at, after four or five weeks, they're not getting any stronger. I have to kind of dig in there and be like, look, it's been about the right time frame for us to have seen change here. 
what else is going on? Let's see if we need to change our plan of attack. Maybe I need to dose it differently. Maybe I need to give it to you twice a week instead of just once. Or maybe we need to increase the load a bit. You know, so when kind of playing around with your parameters. Other, yeah, they could be doing too much other stuff. That they're not telling you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's like, That's so common. You know, when Ron messages me like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm sore. And I'll be like, all right, what else did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I know it wasn't what I gave you. What else did you do? So. Did he tell you about the time that we, we sprinted across the airport to catch a plane? Well, this is when he should have been wearing a boot on his foot. <laughs> In- <laughs> oh, I, I don't think Ron told me about this one. So uh, <laughs> are you here to confess your sins? <laughs> And the, and, the, and, the tr- and the truth is, and the truth is, is we didn't even have to. We could have no, walked. We could have we could have walked it, but we, you know, why not? We're here in Chicago. We might as well sprint across the airport. And I ended I ended up getting Fran Long from a jog across the airport. My the people in my seat thought I had COVID. <clears throat> oh jeez. Oh man. Fun times. Was that your trip to? Was it Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff. Late flight a bit. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I can't oh, remember man. if you actually told me about that one. <clears throat> I, I, I tried to forget it. <laughs> you're like, what Kate doesn't know won't hurt me. Well, you know while it's happening. <laughs> it's one of those things while you're, it's like you're doing it and you know it's bad for you and you're doing it anyway. <laughs> hey, you have to be willing to accept the consequences. Truth. Right. That's that's always Truth. the name of the game, right? You can do whatever the hell you want, as long as you that's, felt that that risk benefit ratio was in your favor. It's the justification you know? process. Yeah. Like that's, you do stupid shit, yeah. you're gonna pay for it. You have to own those consequences. That's what the foot doctor told me. She was like, <laughs> she was like, you don't have to do this. And I'm sitting there thinking, don't tell me that. Don't give me that option. Oh man. Oh, so good. So how do we want to wrap this up guys? What's uh, Kate, what's a good closing thought for this conversation? Oh, put me on the spot, man. Hell yeah. I would think it's really even more so than the physical rehabilitation portion, like coming back from a, an, an injury physically, like the hard part of that is the mental rehab from it as well that comes along with it and it's so important for us as coaches to recognize that importance and appreciate the fact that when somebody has this catastrophic injury that sets them back it affects not only that body part but their whole mental game we have to appreciate and help them through learning other strategies having them focus not just on that physical injury, but hey, let's take this opportunity to develop yourself and make progress in a different realm. I think that that is really one of the most important things and impactful things we can do as coaches in this field is to learn how to guide people through those muddy waters. You know, we're not psychologists per se, uh, but it is important to recognize the mental aspect of injury and and helping to un- let people understand how 
how they need to kind of rehab in multifacets as well. So that's kind of just name of the game. It's, it's definitely a mental, a mental process that we have to recognize and appreciate as coaches. So it's hard, but it's very well worth diving into with our clients if we're going to have a real impact. So. And for people listening that are, um, that are going through that, you know, what's a piece of advice you'd give them, um, with, with considering the mental, the mental side of things. I think always recognizing that what you're going through right now, it's not forever. The body will heal as long as you give it the opportunity to take it day by day, but this is not what you're going to feel like forever. This does not have to define who you are and what you experience. The first first step in overcoming anything like this is believing that you can. Hell yeah. Awesome. If people wanted to um, ask you anything or get in touch with you, how can we find you? What's the best way? Contact. Um, well, my, I am on Facebook under Kate Dowd. Um, I'm on Instagram at kdowd underscore dpt. I'm not the most active Instagram person, but I, but I also work for Active Life RX. So certainly, tagging any of those kind of groups. There's the Active Life Coaches group that is open to the public. Certainly you can go in there, tag me in posts, and I do respond to messages as well. Oh, and I guess my my personal uh, <laughs> practice page as well. I guess I could throw that in there. Metcon <laughs> Mechanics. Yeah, Metcon Met- Mechanics PT LLC. Awesome. So you can find my my business page there as well. Kate, thank you so much. Uh, not only for your time this morning, but for all the help that you've given me over the last year, um, physically, mentally, you know, being there for, for me after I broke my foot, cause that put me in a bad spot and conversations with you really helped me with that. I appreciate you more than, you know, Oh, you're very welcome, Ron. You know what? You're a great client to have. So I'm, I'm more than happy to put the time and effort into somebody who truly wants to help themselves. So I appreciate you as well. Hell yeah. If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends. Hit the copy button, copy the link. Choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out. Let them know what they can expect from it too. Because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible. So if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say, then send it over. It's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it. Another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to Apple or go on to Spotify and rate the thing. Give us a five-star review. Write us a little note. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot us a DM on Instagram, whatever it takes. Let us know so we know that we're on the right track. And we know that we're providing content that is 
actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for. And if it's not, hey, maybe we can help. So do your job. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it.